The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You may be seated. My paternal grandmother raised her six children in a small, rural, non-denominational church. When they all grew up, the kids, my dad, my aunt, my four uncles, all pretty much scattered to different denominations, whatever their spouses took them to. So I have cousins who are Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Church of Christ and just about every smattering of denomination. I still remember having some very interesting conversations with my cousins about our various strengths and weaknesses of our denominations. One particular cousin who I was close to, Kent, who was Baptist at the time, now he's Methodist, and when he was Baptist said that the life of Baptist is a little bit like a roller coaster. You have high highs where you really feel on fire for the Lord, like you really love your Christian life, and then you have these really low lows in which you realize what a poor Christian you really are and how poorly you're living up to the expectations of God. Now, I don't think you have to be Baptist to sometimes feel that roller coaster experience in the Christian life. I think it happens to all Christians, including Lutherans, including even myself at times. We can get on a high high where we really think that we are loving God and serving him with vigor and with boldness, really convinced that he must somehow be impressed with our zealousness. And then there are times when our zeal is gone, when we feel disheartened, like we can never please God, like nothing positive is ever going to come from our Christian faith. It's at these roller coaster times that the Word of God speaks to us and challenges us about our motivations for loving God. Jesus told the Pharisee Simon, A moneylender had two debtors, one who owed him 500 denarii, the other who owed him 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have distinguished properly. For those of us who have grown up Christian, sometimes it's, we find it easy to think, Well, really, I'm not as bad as some other people. My debt of sin somehow may not be quite as big as other people's. Well, you know, I've never murdered anybody. I've never even hurt anybody too badly. I've never stolen a car or gotten a girl pregnant. Yeah, yeah, sure, I have sins of the heart, but that's just like everybody else. And really, you know, I've been working pretty hard lately about those sins of the heart as well. In comparison to others, you know, my debt of sin seems rather small. In his book, The Hammer of God, Bo Geertz offers the following analogy about how the Christian life changes and grows and matures in our struggle with sin. He writes in the words of Pastor Bingston, one of his characters, To begin with, this struggle against sin is pure joy to the awakened soul. It is as when a homeowner begins to clear the land around his new house. The stones fly and the spade digs happily. But when a person is at work on the field of his heart, he gradually comes to the dismaying discovery that there are more stones the deeper he gets. He keeps discovering new sins right along, and they become more difficult to move the more deeply they are entrenched in one's inner life. One might possibly break with drinking and profanity and desecration of the Sabbath in a single evening, but pride, self-centeredness, or finding fault with others are likely to remain still many months 
of penitential struggle. Then one day, when a man is battling sin and is trying to clear the stones from the heart's field, sweating at the task, yet hoping to finally get rid of the last one so that he may really see his garden grow, his spade strikes solid rock. He digs and he scrapes around every side, but it's stony ground through and through. When he has hauled away load after load of stones and dumped them outside the fence, he still has not succeeded in making a garden that can bear fruit for God. He has laid bare a ledge of granite which can never support a living, fruit-bearing tree. This is the rock foundation we know as the sinful corruption of our human nature, the sinful depravity that remains even after a man has separated himself from all his conscious sins. It is this stony ground that explains why a man is just as great a sinner before God, even after he has offered God the best he is able to offer him in terms of obedience and commitment. The sinful woman in our gospel lesson has realized the sinful depravity of her heart. She was not just at the bottom of a roller coaster ride. She realized that her heart was filled with sin She was at the end of a rope, knowing that only in the Lord's forgiveness could she find life and salvation. She didn't know it quite yet, but only because her rock ledge of sin was being touched by the rock ledge of Golgotha, the place that her Lord was destined to go for her, would she be ultimately forgiven, as well as you and I have been forgiven. Her love for him didn't cause her forgiveness, but was a result of his forgiveness for her. Our true zeal, our true love for God is never based in what we do for him. Our love for God is simply a reflection of what he has given us by his grace, the forgiveness of sins that comes to us through eternity, through an eternal life in Christ. May he grant us the full knowledge of our sinful state so that we can more readily receive the forgiveness that he has wrought for us, so that we will always turn to him alone for our rescue. May God grant us fuller realization that he came to our hall of death to breathe our poisoned air, to drink for us the dark despair, to conquer death and the devil, so that we might join him in eternal life and love him forever. For it. Our hymnal gives us many places that point us to this wondrous forgiveness we have in our Lord. In the front cover, in our services of confession and absolution, in Luther's 20 questions at the end of the Catechism. I would ask you now to turn in your hymnal to page 254 so that together we can grant each other that gift of forgiveness, you to me and I to you so that we might love him more for it. We kneel. Let us confess our sins in the presence of God and of one another. I confess to God Almighty before the whole company of heaven and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by my fault, by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. Wherefore, I pray God Almighty to have mercy on me. Forgive me all my sins and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you pardon, forgiveness, and remission of all your sins. Amen.